welcome to episode number 127 of the Betty Yet Podcast. I'm Chris, your host, Betty Yet. It's a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. Oh, it's Kirsty. I was working on St. Patrick's Day weekend, and I got into a uh, a groove with the festive music, you know, Flogging Molly, Dropkick Murphys, the classics. Uh, of course, the Pogues lead to Kirsty McCall, even though I didn't play Fairy Tale in New York, even though she's not even Irish, but what a talent, and still unrecognized. Tracy Ullman had a hit with this, but what about Kirsty? All right, wowie. Wowie, you looking at this lineup? Zach Weil of Oozing Wound is on the show this week. Oozing Wound's new record, High Anxiety, out now. And I talked to Laura Stevenson about her new record, The Big Freeze, out on Friday. My word. And the update, the update that we are all here for is I am up through Spanglish. In my rewatching of the entire Adam Sandler filmography, uh, speaking of Tracy Ullman, James L. Brooks, really shit the bed on that one, huh? What a messy little expression of white guilt that was. Sandler, I, he's already on a steep decline, uh, his own vehicles. Y- you'd think he makes a masterpiece with Paul Thomas Anderson. His next venture with an auteur, it just falls so flat, and I'm convinced that he's just giving up on all things that involve trying, which is great, because it's not like he makes a lot of movies uh, after 2004. (laughs) I don't know where this is all going, Uh, but check in on Patreon. When I create my masterpiece where I provide the fundamental argument that Adam Sandler and Weezer are really the same thing, that and more, so much more. There's bonus audio, postcards, buttons, coffee over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast is a way for you to help support the show with a monthly pledge, patreon.com slash Barriette Podcast. All right. We are about to experience a first on this show, a phone interview. I never do them, but having heard the first two singles from the Big Freeze, Laura Stevenson's new record out on Friday, I deemed it a necessity to call her up and to talk about this record. Now, to put this into context, I've been following Laura's career for a good long while now, She hasn't made a record I don't love, and there hasn't been one yet that on a given day I couldn't call my favorite. But with the big freeze, 10 years into her career, she's made her best record. It's many things. It's beautiful. It's haunting. It's lush, emotional. Within the context of her catalog, it's Big Star's third. It's Brighter Later. Or within the context of my life right now, it's Punch Drunk Love. For a lot of us, it's further proof that Laura is massively underappreciated, but more than anything, I found the Big Freeze to be a testament to 
the fact that this is someone who's been doing it for so long and is taking risks and is pushing further. Was so excited to talk to her about it and to talk to her about the adult life she's been living. Here's me and Laura Stevenson. Are you going to are you going to WrestleMania? No, but Mike is and he's also working. Dude, he told me about it. I know. I texted him in the morning yesterday. I was like, dude, I just listened to Big Freeze twice. I can't I can't fucking handle it. Uh-huh. And he's like he's like, Yeah, it's great. Also, you know what is happening? I'm working fucking every night except for <laughs> WrestleMania. And then I'm working the morning after WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be rough. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited for him. He just said like today we were driving in the car because we were like went to the accountant to like do our taxes and then while we were getting in the car he was like i'm just so excited and i was like because you're working with your favorite superstars he was like yeah (laughs) yeah they're gonna be my friends it's just like we just did like the most adult thing you know like more boring thing and then like he's doing the the thing that's gonna like nurture his inner child the most so oh my god it's perfect it's it's, i like that both of you are just like living these these dream (laughs) lives right now yeah just like working out (laughs) right (laughs) so i we could get into it um being a couple days out from the release like where where are we at as we come to the close of the release cycle like where are you at in the anticipation cycle of all of it? Um, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I got the CD. I listened to it in my car and I was like, no, I don't know. <laughs> 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 I don't know if it sounds like anything to me anymore. Cause I was like, well, let's see like what, what people are going to hear when they listen to it, but I can't like be outside of it, you know? So I'm just like, right, oh, whatever. Right. but I guess I'm just like, whatever at this point hopefully like people like it and like i know that some people will and then if people don't care about it then that's fine too right (laughs) i've I've detached in a very healthy way so i feel like and i i don't want to seem like i'm not excited about it i am but like i just have been you know separating myself so i don't get disappointed kind of right and i mean you have to go through so many just different cycles of anticipation and as you're just drawing out the process as much as possible these days with waiting for a record to be pressed it's like all right like um i'm excited i'm nervous oh why did i say that on a record oh my (laughs) god think about all the people who are gonna hear that (laughs) (laughs) totally yeah so i'm just like i've kind of like put it over there and i'm like uh, arranging new songs like kind of I'm supposed to be arranging these songs for the cello player it's going to be playing uh-huh. with me on the tour but like while I've been doing that I've been like oh well maybe I'll just go into garage band and I'll just like you know mess around with this new song that I have and then I've been like kind of coming up with like instrumentation for those so I'm feeling like kind of I'm taking care of that side of me because that's the only thing that is truly fulfilling to me is like writing you know and like arranging stuff has been really fulfilling arranging these songs from this record and then from previous records because I'm going to do this like kind of pared down set um for a lot of the shows with just me and a cello player and that's been really great because I've been just like sending him stuff and he's been sending me stuff back and we've been like 
communicate. I mean, he lives in Portland, Oregon. So we've been communicating like through music, which has been like great. Yeah. So that's been getting me through like kind of these past couple of weeks of just like, oh, when is this stupid thing going to be out? So Right. <laughs> kind of like dive back into these songs through a different avenue. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be nice. an exciting way to perform it too. I yeah. Was thinking about, oh, how is this going to happen when you go out and and do this yeah yeah so like he builds like worlds with his uh cello so like we've been coming up with ways to like have all these voices um or at least the most important voices in the like layered kind of like cloud thing that i made on some of these songs like Uh uh so we've been like what's the thing we really want to stress here and then how do we build on top of that? And then like, how do we also just like suck all of that back out and just focus on the vocal, you know, like, so that's been really cool. Cause he's like just super receptive and intuitive. So I've had a lot of fun doing this with him. And did he play on the record? No, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, this woman, Eleanor Norton played on the record and she is like incredible, like so good. And he played in Matt Pond's band. You know, Matt oh, Pond's sure. Guy? Yeah. Um, yeah. I toured with him uh, during like the Cockshore record cycle. And so then I met Sean, who, uh, Sean Alpe, who's the cello player. And we just like hit it off as friends. And then I was like, oh, cello. Oh, Sean, of course. And then we've just been talking about the tour and he's like super enthusiastic. So I'm really excited. That's awesome. So yeah. the the record um, and the recording of it, you did it at your mom's house. Yeah. <laughs> and you just you just what ha- so tell me about the the process of making it. You just came in with these songs and then had all of these all of these auxiliary players just hanging out in uh, your old bedroom waiting to be called. <laughs> no, uh, well. I did all of the like tracks with just me and the guitar in my mom's house. And then we did some like keyboard stuff and all the vocal stuff and the guitar stuff. But then when we went like me and Joe who co-produced the record and he engineered it, he engineered Cockshore. He's like, great. His name's Joe Rogers. He's like a wonderful person. Um, we uh, then would go into Brooklyn Cause like I lived on Long Island, nobody's coming out there to come into overdubs. So we were going to Brooklyn and then we like, we got a studio one day to do drum stuff and like, you know, some more piano stuff and the stand up bass. And then we got a studio, um, to do all the cello stuff. And, and then we did, uh, all of Mike's bass parts and the violin and some like auxiliary percussion in my new house in uh, upstate New York. Cause I was just like closing on our house during uh-huh. the, <laughs> during the recording process. So like Mike was dealing with all of the, like, you know, <laughs> stuff with the bank and he'd just be texting me frantically. Like I need like blah, 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 blah. And I wouldn't see it. And he'd be like, I needed something from you two hours ago. Like I'm yeah. at the bank right now. And I was like, Oh no, I'm sorry. Um, so he really, <laughs> he really came through for us as a couple. <laughs> doing the like biggest thing we'd ever done in our lives while i was yeah, like, the most adult thing ever yeah no i was friends like, that are buying houses and they're like yeah you need attorneys <laughs> i was like attorneys hold on yeah our lawyer's name was michael jordan which was hilarious get right out <laughs> i loved it yeah our friends had him and they were like michael jordan yeah of course like because i was like who's a good real estate attorney and they were like well 
he's great and this is his name and i was like well obviously we're gonna go with this guy because that sounds like a <laughs> slam dunk yeah he was a, he was the michael jordan of of attorneys so Jordan attorneys. <laughs> so we had we had fun with that and we continue to have fun with that every time we think of it but <laughs> yeah so mike was just like dealing with everything and i was just making this record <laughs> right right in terms of you know this is your fifth lp and i guess in thinking about what came before it you know wheel is this record that you make with Kevin McMahon cocksure is you know decidedly a rock record how did you view this one going into it is there a want to do something that's I guess a symbolic piece in your catalog or do you want to change the point of focus musically um i don't know i think like i just i i feel like i personally thrive more when i'm able to kind of like build in the recording process um uh-huh. because i really don't like recording um <laughs> why not it stresses me out it's just sure. like especially if you're doing it with like bandmates and we all have like our parts ready and like and then like you go in you're like preparing so much beforehand and then you go in and then like it's so expensive every minute is so expensive it's just like ugh you know like it's just too much pressure and then like the end product is never going to be it's never going to have the emotional content that you want it to because it's going to feel like sterile because everything was recorded separately or like blah 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 you know what i mean so this for me just in terms of like recording was so like fulfilling and great because I just got to like really just like play kind of. Um, But like the writing process, I guess I just, I don't know. I scrapped a lot of the songs that ended up making it onto this record when I was putting Cockshare together because I didn't want the songs that were quiet to kind of just be like, like a skip over track, you know what I mean? Where there's just like, oh, this is the qu- this is when the record gets quiet. Like, who cares? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, like, even though like those moments are great, but I just I didn't want those songs to serve only that purpose. You know what I mean? It so, would almost it would almost feel like filler within Cockshire, where you know you you rock out for four songs and then you put a quiet song, yeah, to end the side, and it's like okay, that that song is there for that purpose yeah totally no i've i've that's and i and i was just like these songs need to like shine in a collection of songs that will just complement them so you know that was when i was choosing the songs for this record um for sure you know like i and and then i was i wrote a couple of songs like where i was like okay and then this song should go into this so i'm gonna write this song like the song yeah yeah hawks and big deep are like back to back. I don't know n- numbers seven and eight on the seven record? and eight. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like visualizing the back of the CD that I just got in the mail. Um. So, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. So those two songs I like bridged together very like intentionally, and I don't know. There was like a, I don't know. I just really with, needed to make this record. <laughs> it's what it feels like with the songs that kind of hung around for a minute. Did they go through a little bit more 
workshopping. I guess I feel like so many of these songs just have this long stretch of of movement that I'm I'm thinking about it in terms too of picturing you showing some of these songs to a full band and it just wouldn't happen at all. You know, it feels like a lot of these songs have just such an organic movement. Did you have, I guess, with all of that time spent and and all this time waiting, do you feel like they had a little bit more life, like, as they went into the recording? Right, totally, yes. Like, um, the song Low Slow, which is the second to last song, and the song Rattle It Will, I I think that's like the sixth song. I um I played those I tried to like play those songs with the band, you know, when we were getting things together for Cocksure and it just didn't feel right because they needed they needed so much more like space, you know, like Rattle It Will has that kind of like almost like gospel choir vocals that are so important uh to the song. Right. Um, that was just like what I heard when I was writing it and it needed to like sway in this way and like playing it with the band. It felt like, Mm-mm, like this is not going to be, this isn't right. I don't know why. <laughs> and then like low, slow was the same way where it just like, it needed to like soar in this way that was outside of like two guitars, bass, drums, keyboard. You know what I mean? Like Right, right. Because you, you needed to have 19 vocal layers yeah. <laughs> hitting for the last minute and a half to yeah. like really send the message home. <laughs> yeah, and like a million cellos. Like I can't even discern because like during that last instrumental, there were so many different like cello melodies that I was like calling out for the cello player to play. And like, so like there were so many layers and so many horn layers and so many vocal layers at the the end of the day like everything kind of just like turned into this like c instead of like just being like all different parts it just became this kind of like ocean of sound so like you can't even really hear any of the parts that i like wrote and it's kind of (laughs) cool it's really cool and that has to be super exciting i think just finding that because it feels like with the way that you're describing it that it's almost like ideas start flowing and as one comes out then another and another yeah totally and that's like that's the way that I love to work because then it doesn't feel like you're not like nothing feels overwrought you're just kind of like being you're just going with the moment you know what I mean so like and if you fuck up, like, you could just be like, all right, never mind, scratch that. Like, we'll just move over over here. You know what I mean? It's like, right. there's just no pressure, super low stakes, especially because, like, you know, I wasn't paying for, like, you know, some crazy studio. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. You were just, you just had to wait to text your mom, like, it's okay, you can come home now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was cool. Because, like, yeah, any other time, like, stuff with, um, when I was making Wheel, I really wanted to play like vocally because I did a lot of that on Sit Resist. And Kevin, when when I went went in and I was like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I'm just gonna go for it. And he was like, no, you gotta write your parts and have them ready. And then you're gonna sing each part three times. And yeah. like 
that's how that's how we're gonna do the vocals because then we're huh. gonna get like the best vocal takes. And I was like, okay. And so then I like went home and I went on GarageBand and I like I like was like, okay, I guess I'll do this and that and the other thing. And then I listened to Runner and like all the parts are like so weird because I like did them before I went into the studio and I was like, okay, well I'll just make this like a call and response part and blah blah blah. So I wasn't really like feeling the moment with those vocal parts you know what I mean I was just kind of like forcing it um which is an interesting way to work and he definitely was teaching me like how to do it in like a disciplined way which is good when you're working in the studio but I also like I don't I don't know I like to have like the freedom (laughs) yeah I feel like this is this is just a process that really serves your strengths as a vocalist and as an arranger and really allows you to kind of sink your teeth into serving each of these songs as best as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that was the thing. It was like serving the song, serving the, what, what the song is about serving the moment and the lyrics. Like it was just like all about kind of like holding the lyrics up in like a beautiful way. So for sure. I think that, in hearing it and hearing the way that it's presented, there's this self-assuredness that is just super engaging because I feel like so many of the layers are just, and not layers in, in terms of instruments, but just the, the layers of uh, emotional reveal are just kind of pushed away. You're putting yourself out there on this record more than any time before. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to, like, just be like, all right, this is what I'm saying, <laughs> like, you know, like, on... Uh, yeah, well, and, how do you get to that place? I don't know, I think, I think I just was like, fuck it, like, on Cocksure, it was like, fuck it, like, musically, I just want to have fun, like, those songs were, like, really fun, and nothing was, like, too heavy, even, even the songs that were, like, kind of heavy aren't too heavy, but this record, I was just like... I'm fuck it. I'm just going to be try to be as as close to the truth as I can be. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is scary and, you know, a vulnerable thing to do, but like like on Wednesday there's a song Dermatillomania that's going to come out and like obviously like, you know, um that's like a scary hard thing and I wrote this mm-hmm. like I wrote this piece to kind of like I don't know about all of that stuff. And then, so I've been like, kind of like, you know, privately, obviously, uh, but also like kind of publicly like grappling with this thing. And then like the song's going to come out on Wednesday and I'm a little freaked out, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, ah, fuck it. Like who cares? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought the essay up because, um, I, I, I had it on, on a tab for, a while because just based on the subject matter, I, I knew that I would have to kind of be ready for it. Mm, And I, I guess I just, um, am wondering how, how it's been now that it's out there, like coming and talking so publicly and openly about that. Has it been cathartic? Are you feeling good about it um yeah I I I am I think like it's definitely like real for real real now you know like it was real for real you know talking about it 
you know, with my therapist and like with Mike and, you know, like, but now it's like, well, now this is like real next level real because like, you know, all my friends know about it now. I love that moment, like within the essay when you're like, oh, and if this is how you're finding out, hey. (laughs) Yeah, oh, totally. And then like my friends were texting me and I was like, yep, like we're talking about this. Like, uh." Uh um, so like that was like a little stressful because I knew that like my friends were going to be like, hey, if you ever like want to talk and like that's so sweet. But at the same time, I was just like, let's not talk about it. <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in, in, that, in that moment of me writing it, like I was all for it. But now it's out. Yeah. And I, I, I also got to I got to call Michael Jordan again to yeah. like, make sure that this thing is taken <laughs> care of. Like, glad you're here for me. But... Yeah. I got I got Michael Jordan on the line. Yeah. But like. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. It was like, it's really cool. And I'm really like, I'm really glad just for me, it was a big step. Um, and it's always, you know, going to be an every day is a different day kind of thing. And hopefully every day will start to be a better day, you know, eventually. But it's been, it's been cool because when things are more like real in like the forefront of your mind and then like you can like talk about them, sometimes it makes them like, easier to not get lost in you know so like that's yeah. definitely like a big step so we'll see yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh it's normalizing and it 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 puts you in a seat of a little bit more control when you're like this isn't the thing that has to just spin in circles in my head all the time i can let it get out in this way and then suddenly i'm the author of it right no absolutely and like that's been really cool. And then like now I can like, you know, like move even closer to like getting under the getting to the root of it where it's like now I can like maybe be present enough to be like, this is the specific thing that's triggering me at this moment. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah, everything yeah. you're kind of chipping away at like why you're doing it and blah, blah, blah. So everything is just a step in like that healing direction, hopefully. And if there's a step back, that's okay. That's been like the big thing is like, it's not a failure if you, you know, take one step back. Cause then the next time you might take like three steps forward, you know? So yeah, yeah, for sure. As a, as a, uh, I don't like the term, but recovering alcoholic who didn't do the AA thing, like mm. my sobriety date, has never changed. If I was in AA, I would have a couple of like day ones where I'd have to go back and say like, all right, well, starting at day one. And it's like, no, you know what? Fuck it. Like that's all part of the journey. Right. Of course. Yeah. Putting such stringent rules on it, I think is like maybe for some people, it'll feel like you're setting yourself up for failure, you know? So like having your own view of recovery, you know, and your own relationship to it, is awesome and healthy and great yeah yeah good it's it's good to hear from you too um the um (laughs) the the unavoidable topic i suppose uh with this record is the kind of the swell of the the narrative of laura stevenson as uh the underappreciated the underdog Mm -hmm. and (laughs) we've talked about kind of going for broke in a lot of senses with this record and I couldn't help but get some thought uh about you know the way the way things have gone uh 
for you in in that sense too where this record to me is so much of a like you know what fuck this like this is the record that i'm making i don't give a fuck what anybody's expectations are here and if you ain't been paying attention to me i'm too fucking bad (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) totally and it's just like I don't know. I don't care. I don't care anymore. And it's awesome. I'm just like, whatever. I think my priorities are shifting. And, you know, I'm accepting the fact that like, you know what, this may never be like, I I never had like grand ambitions. It was always this like nebulous thing where it was just like, I just want people to like me. You know what I mean? Because I'm such a like, codependent, like, seriously, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's just like my face. Like, I Uh just want I just want to please, you know, and I want people to like me because that's how I like validate myself. It's socially, you know, everything in my family, you know, and like now it's just like I just want to take care of me. And the only way that I'm going to be able to do that is to like be true to myself. You know what I mean? So like I don't care anymore. Fuck. Which rocks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I listen to this and like I've had conversations with people where I, you know, I could talk to four people and we could have four favorite records of yours very easily. And like, I, I listened to this and I was halfway through it and I said, this is the best thing that, that you've ever done. When you, when you were finished with it, like, did it feel, did it feel different? Did it feel like you'd done something that, uh, stood out from the others? I think so. I think it was just kind of like the most honest like songwriting. And I think that I am like growing as a songwriter. So I feel like proud of the songs themselves in a way that I don't know that I have been before. So that to me, I think is a big step. Hell yeah. I got one more uh, question for you. If the big freeze was a wrestler who would it be oh i don't know that's a great question let me think not the undertaker (laughs) (laughs) okay um who would it be maybe charlotte flair fuck yeah (laughs) because this record comes out and it's like I'm the best, and I don't give a fuck what any of you have to say about yeah. it. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Well, thanks so much oh, for, for calling and talking to me. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very excited for the world to have this thing unleashed upon them. Thank you so much, Tim. I really appreciate it. Of course. Hell yeah. All right. Hey, All right. the big freeze <laughs> drops on Friday. Dermatillomania is streaming now on Spotify. Charlotte Flair, it's pretty apt. This record is really something special. Be sure to check it out. Fucking plug it. Appreciate this person who has been crafting such an incredible catalog. Goddamn, Laura Stevenson. (laughs) And now on to another trailblazer, Zach Weil of Oozing Wound is on the show this week. Oozing Wound, and I'm putting an asterisk on this, is a thrash metal band from Chicago, but its roots 
planted significantly deeper into noise and art rock. Zach played in many, many bands before Oozing Wound, including Kakaw with drummer Kyle Reynolds. Oozing Wound came out of Kakaw with Zach now fronting the band and playing guitar. Oozing Wound took thrash influences and the personalities of Zach, Kyle, and bass player Kevin Cribben to craft these brutal, not-so-self-serious songs that are chaotic, sludgy, riff-heavy rock music from three players who clicked and serendipitously, quickly had a record and a label. Thrill Jockey released Retrash in 2013 and have grown and evolved since then. Earthsuck would follow in the next year, a double LP whatever forever in 2016, and now LP number four, a record called High Anxiety, and a great excuse to have Zach over. Been looking forward to this. Oozing Wound is one of the best bands in Chicago, and Zach, come to find out, is great fun. Love this conversation. Excited to share it. So let's get to it. We'll start with the song. This is Tween Shitbag, followed by my interview with Zach Watts. other than your band i am a, i'm a famous chicago personality <laughs> now so well that's nice i mean you, you do you do you create a lot of people at a at a very exciting place i was i was a little annoyed because i like to especially with people who i have no interaction with uh before they come over i was like oh man you know i gotta because i got a yuri gagarin shirt and I was like, I'll throw that on, and then me and Zach will be thick as thieves right away. It'll be perfect, <laughs> but it's dirty. So I was like, I was like, all right, well, we're gonna have to find something else to talk about. And then we just we just blew it in there, huh? It's fine. I've I've learned how to just go with the flow in these yeah for the, sure the amount of phone calls that i've had where i'm like oh pretending i have an instant rapport with this person right uh, <laughs> well cool it's it, it is great to hang out with you again zach <laughs> thanks so much for coming over oh yeah no but problem. no i was sitting i was like i was like oh the song's about Va- vladimir kamarov huh what's what's that guy's deal and then i read that story freaking that's just, oh that's, it's insane oh isn't my god God, the poor guy. I mean, how much of that is true? No one really knows. Right. Because, I mean, you're also dealing with, like, Soviet history and there, the amount right. of propaganda and stuff is Who's insane. Who's to say? Yeah, but at least the open casket thing seems to be at least 
fairly disputed, but it's still an interesting story. And the picture that they have Dude, on the internet picture. is nightmarish. Holy shit. Yeah, because it's like, you know, what could be worse? Oh, just a, like, black lump that we're only like part of a heel is actually human <laughs> yeah no, no also like the the screaming you did this to me as he's like crashing into earth it's right. like yeah it's the, i mean what's more metal than that it's the most brutal story i've ever heard and i'm like i gotta write a song about you honestly this. you could have written like a double lp based on that story yeah no i i but again it's it, how much of it is true i don't really care about but it's uh right it's at least an interesting take on it's the mythology of yeah all of and it, like right? the nightmare of space space oh is terrifying god it sure is earth is bad but like you get out there oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, no i can't believe anybody wants to uh-huh. <laughs> you know you you strike me kind of as, as someone who has a, a sort of affinity for you know that type of story to me feels like a you found that at 3 a.m one night oh, yeah. when you know you you ripped a, a gravity bong and maybe you paused from playing <laughs> a, a video game where you shot a lot of things and then you're like oh let me check out let me check out this subreddit let me check out YouTube and it's like oh my god I'm feeling called out right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry yeah no I don't remember how I stumbled on that but I mean yeah a lot of internet spelunking yeah it'll it'll take you into some weird places for sure I try to keep an eye out for anything that I think might be an interesting song subject yeah because i can't write from the heart too well especially for anything like with for oozing wound it's like it would never it does not jive well so right you, right so right. i have to find some interesting topic to put like a creative narrative spin on well i like that i like that that's kind of an, an understanding that you have and it, it goes into so many different facets of things you talk about like you know old country songs where it's like well we gotta sing about this because what else are we gonna sing about our yeah. feelings like we have to have some <laughs> conduit to communicate something yeah well i get accused of being like a nihilist or an ironist now which is very fun well that is a that is a funny thing because i did see that a lot i feel like going through going through the backlogs of your press it's funny because it's like the the irony the you know the ironic the nihilism of oozing wound in in 2013 and then like two years later it's like the don't call it ironic <laughs> it's not it's just my expression yeah or or that you know the songs are about something that happened to me personally which is generally like completely not the case right. i'm almost never singing from my perspective uh -huh. i'm singing from a character's perspective in a song and so i get people attribute things to me which i don't really care about because i don't know any of these people so right. it doesn't affect me on any like real level it, it, it it's weird though it is it, it's funny to think that like somebody is is taking what you're giving them and, and thinking that you're like you're not communicating anything like personal about Rambo, you're just saying I like Rambo, dude. I was just watching Rambo before. I'm like, oh, but this is what he's thinking, and yeah, and then <laughs> right. th apparently that's my view on war. <laughs> so where where do you think that that sort of writing comes from? Is that something that you just after a while of trying to put yourself into things, you're like, yeah, this just doesn't really work. Like, what do I know? Uh, I mean, I uh, I can write all kinds of different songs, uh, and I have a lot of different styles that I am good at, but uh, 
in terms of what makes sense for this and what I would feel le- like the least embarrassed about would be a slightly more detached thing where it's not for me personally singing about it. Right. It's not me with an acoustic guitar, which I've done, which also makes me feel really uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a progression. I, I mean, I know my lineage. I know when right. I was like 13 through now of every song that I've ever written and how bad they all are. So I, you know, I have that personal experience of like, well, I'm not doing this again. And by the time Oozing Wound has shown up, I mean, what, we started the band eight years ago, so I was 25 or six, uh-huh. which means that I had already put in quite a few bad things into the world. And so right. you learn from those kinds of mistakes. <laughs> and I, I feel like, I, I hope it's better than it used to be. I would hope so, too. I think that you can you can comfortably say that. We'll at see least how I feel in 10 point. years. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, yeah, 10 years from now, you're going to hate this fucking band. Oh, it's totally possible. So, um, so <laughs> I, At least I don't hate what we did in the beginning, which I'd say is a, that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so where did you grow up? Uh, Highland Park, right. Illinois. Uh-huh, and yeah. that's 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 a suburb. What is it? Is it just straight north, or is that north? It's like the North Shore. So, oh, okay. I mean, it's a very uh, affluent, or at least like half affluent, and then uh-huh. it's like divided between a highway of like the the rich side and the slightly poorer side, which is still better off than a lot of people. I mean, the North sure. Shore in general sure. is kind of, uh, it's a richer territory than most other places it's also a very high jewish population which Uh so i grew up you know thinking i didn't know who jesus was until i was like five and people (laughs) are like oh i have to go to church it's like that is very strange i don't know what this means Uh (laughs) uh-huh so did you go to like did you go to temple was your was it a strict jewish household or was it kind of like a loose yeah i'm pretty loose i mean i definitely helped destroy the entire family thing because uh by like we went to temple and stuff. My dad and my mom made me go to Hebrew school, but I dropped out, <laughs> which a lot of people don't know that you can, but if you just That's don't amazing. do the work and you don't go there, they can't make you do anything. So I was never bar mitzvahed. Uh, my older brother and sister had to do it. And then my little sister wrote on my coattails and she didn't have to. So Oh, that was, that's so nice of you. So that that's a big family. What did, what did your folks do? Uh, my mom was a teacher and my dad, uh, he's had a million jobs. Yeah. Uh, but at that time, uh, he probably had just quit his, uh, like steel job where he was still don't quite know what he did, but he had moved back into theater, which was like an original passion of his, but oh, it, wow. yeah, it, the nineties were a very strange time. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So what he goes back into the theater. Is that like the, uh, like I quit my stable job and now I'm going to pursue my lifelong dream of being bit. an actor. Did he get an earring? Me and my friend Scott have been <laughs> yeah, talking he about did have an no earring. No way. Yeah, no, my dad had a ponytail and everything. He was like, uh-huh. in the 90s. It was a uh, it was a fun time. My uh my friend Scott and I and this is this is lifelong friendship at this point. We both have uh Harrison Ford tattoos. We, mm. you know, uh we were big fans of Air Force One. I think that's kind of where our, our friendship oh, really kindled. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. what the fucking tattoo says. Sick. So the other day, you know, we're both 32 now, and I was like, dude, you should really get a Harrison Ford earring. <laughs> and he's got it in his Amazon cart. And I'm like, dude, just get Prime. You can ship it for free. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Dak got an earring, and you're, how old are you when your dad gets an earring? I don't know, probably like 10. All right, so you're like, oh, dad. Yeah, my brother and my dad both got earrings, and I was supposed (laughs) to get one, and I chickened out. Really? Yeah, but uh, now I'm looking back. I'm like, that was a great move on my yeah. part. Hey, you can always get one when you're in your 40s. So true. So, so <laughs> that's that's a pretty funny thing to witness, I guess. 
Um, and your your brothers and your sisters, what are they? What are they up to now? Uh, my old or when you say your brother lives down the street, yeah, no, my brother. I'm trying to exactly figure out what he does. He used to work for this company, Jellyvision, that uh-huh. uh, made that game. You don't know Jack? Oh, sure. And they do like advertising, and he moved into some kind of different advertising insurancey thing. I don't know. He doesn't really talk about it as much anymore. Yeah. My older sister and my younger sister and my dad, at least at one point, all worked at the same company, which is just like a medical supplies company. But uh, I don't really know what my older sister does right now. I think she's just got a job or is looking for one. She's also a mom, so, right? Like she's so, doing that stuff. I guess like the the lead with with that is you know are you kind of the outlier in the what you're doing now with yourself oh i'm the arty one yeah, yeah for yeah. sure there, I'm, I mean... I'm the one who's pursuing their dream yeah it's a wonderful cool dude yeah they all tolerate right 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 it's so it's like how's the band going oh i mean they're all excited they see the stuff you know they all think that every anything that happens means more to them than it does to me yeah it's like oh adult swim put out the single they're like that's amazing that is pretty cool yeah we'll we'll see right right i try not to get too invested in anything anymore i don't try to get my hopes up for stuff because it Uh uh-huh i mean i've been doing this for so long you see where it goes the enthusiasm will be there for like a day and then it dissipates because there's a million other things like as you can see you have a ton of records it's like every one of these had their day to shine Uh and then you just move on to the next thing because that's just how the world works damn well i mean do we even need to talk about this new record (laughs) no i mean i'm excited about it i just i can't ever believe personally that like uh i did an interview with the chicago tribune like a week ago and they're like you're on the cusp it's like the cusp of what right and they're just yeah. like success it's uh-huh. like that's not a thing yeah and it's not know. real uh-huh. and i've seen bands that are successful they all have day jobs it's like there is no success there is slightly better and the feeling of continuously moving forward and not regressing that is the only real thing that you can truly hope for to feel like you were at least slightly improving on what happened before. Right. I think that that, that kind of narrative, it, it it shows itself a lot, I guess, in, in getting ready for this interview and thinking about, you know, when you're putting out the first couple of LPs, it's like, oh, Oozing Wound, part of the Thrash revival. And it's like, the yeah, had thrash, nothing to thrash do with... just happened. And, yeah. and then there was a revival and it's not over yet, right? Or is it like, okay, well now Power Trip's here and like Power Trip is championing like this whole thing and, and Oozing Wound is maybe a part of it, but we're not sure yet. We don't really want to commit to it. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, it's, it's funny, I guess, especially because I'm thinking when I'm getting ready to talk to you, it's like, this is a fourth LP for Thrill Jockey. That's... Mm-hmm crazy yeah and also you know there's there's a little bit of like we are established as being a part of the thrill jockey roster and y'all know what we do and we're just trying to improve upon it right yeah yeah no, i i would say that's accurate yeah i i mean i don't buy into scenes i don't buy into like you were saying like the thrash revival or anything i don't like any of those bands i don't yeah. like any of it Really? Uh, I've seen a couple of them because I work at the bottle and every so often like a band comes through, but I do not care at all. <laughs> I try. really funny. I, I, we play the music that we do because it's fun and it's fast and I don't really want to write a punk song because it's too simple. And then you like you, you put these little personal touches into it and then all of a sudden someone's telling you that you are this thing. And you're right. like, I guess like that we fit into it, but it, I've never had that mentality. So you... 
if you align with it, that's fine. But I'm not going to go out of my way to make it happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. So what what kind of music was in the house when you were growing up? That, that I think about this a lot. Like uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't a lot of records. Like I the one that I remember the most was Sesame Street Fever, which was the Sesame Street like Saturday Night Fever. Uh, like parody whatever thing it was That's a i remember there were two thing. copies of pac-man fever uh-huh none of these things were ever played uh and then like when i was younger there was like disney soundtracks i remember uh-huh. um and then my mom got really really into like uh the angry women stuff in the mid 90s you know oh, Alanis sure. Morissette, yeah uh, Paul, like yeah all that stuff and i remember getting driven to school all the time and hearing that but mm-hmm. yeah, honestly, beyond that, like it wasn't that musical. But my dad talks about all this stuff that like before I was born, he's like, oh, I was in a Beach Boys cover band and stuff. And it's like, how come I like it had nothing to do with my childhood? Right. Maybe if you didn't like ditch all of this stuff, dad, then you wouldn't have had to like. <laughs> I don't blame him for the... anything. Right. Yeah. For sure. So how do you remember like getting into music on your own then was there was there a cool older friend involved or did it just kind of come out of your own like weird path of discovery (laughs) i was really into like video game soundtracks when i was a kid sure and yeah i did not care about music i did not associate with it like i didn't understand music videos couldn't uh like latch onto any of it until i was in fourth grade and I don't remember how it happened. It's probably my older sister that played Green Day. Yeah. And I, like, I freaked out about Dookie. And then all of a sudden, I was like obsessed with music. Uh-huh. And it was Green Day, Weird Al, Veruca Salt, and <laughs> uh, there was an Oasis. That was like. That is the most 1995 thing oh, that I've ever heard. I was like deep in it. And then maybe a year later, I didn't care anymore. And then got back into music like. Uh, I mean, in a way that's never changed. Like, I got into Nirvana when I was maybe in, like, seventh grade. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, and then ever since then, it's just been, like, that steady stream. So you, you hear you hear Nirvana, and it's like, all right, cool. I, I need to grow my hair. I need to get a guitar. And it kind of needs to happen soon. Yeah, it's kind of surprising how it, like, affected me. Right. Because I didn't care when he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was really young. But there were yeah, other people sure. my age that seemed to know uh-huh. that had, like, some... What felt like an inside edge that I've never understood, that I've never had, and maybe they had older siblings or something that played music, but my brother and sister never seemed to care about any of that stuff. I remember feeling that way too in like fourth, fifth grade when we could, you know, start like bringing CDs to school and mm-hmm. like, you know, I, my parents were listening to kind of what was happening as it was happening with like, I don't know, Teenage Fan Club and, and sure, shit like that. Yeah. And then we could bring in our own music and I'm bringing in like Super Drag and then all of these people are like into Biggie and Tupac. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? Like, where did that come from? Where did you hear it? Oh yeah. No, I definitely remember uh, in the locker room when people were like, Biggie died. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Uh (laughs) Sounds like that sucks. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, high school, were you playing in bands? Oh God, yeah. yeah. I was an annoying kid who brought his guitar to school. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because hell yeah, you have to evolve from somewhere. Did you start by? Will you start taking lessons? Did you teach yourself? Was it? Uh, I took guitar lessons in middle school from this. I'll never forget this guy, Brian Katz. I hated his guts. Mm-hmm. He, what do you make you play? Well, I wanted to learn Nirvana, and right. then he's like, "Okay, well here you go," and he hands me a sheet, and it's Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult, which <laughs> one I love the first three Blue Oyster Cult. Records 
records are amazing. That song sucks ass. Yeah. And he's like handing this to me. I'm like, I hate this. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to teach me Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, I don't want to learn this. I wanted to learn Nirvana songs, which from his perspective is like, you want to learn a four chord song. It's going to take like two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And I get his resistance to it, but he was like some hippy dippy shit guy. And I did not like him. So it's like, dude, you you don't have to work as hard for this half an hour. Yeah. Well, I like I think about it still. And uh-huh. I mean, how long? It was over 20 years ago. And uh, I so I took a few lessons with him. He didn't really teach me anything I needed to. So it was mostly like self-taught from that point. But I mean, also, all I cared about was grunge. Right. It wasn't very difficult. I uh, started my own grunge band in middle school called Bliss, which was another, uh, like, one of the first names for Nirvana, I think. Oh, okay. That's I was like, going to say, that's a good name for a first band? Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> it took was it. not a good uh-huh. band. <laughs> yeah. And then I, you know, started a million bands in high school. Right. Uh, I think one, the, the big one was called Remonstrate. Terrible name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not too good. Yeah. Bliss was, was better. There was Ramadan Rick, uh-huh. uh, Evan by Day, Avon by Night. Uh, hat time uh, uh-huh. exoskeleton turned into exo five keleton <laughs> buddy so was it was it all like kind of different types of stuff or was it you know mostly in that kind of nirvana e it started off that way remonstrate was like the grunge band and then as i started getting into like different stuff and i was like oh my bloody valentine beach boys that's what i want to do and it's like i have none of the skills to do this right and so it got like slightly more experimental uh, i had a friend who would like play me things like john corbett and like an hour-long record of balloon noises where I was ready to murder somebody. But uh-huh. it, like it, it helped expand the at least the sonic palette that I understood. But I didn't make anything worthwhile until, I don't know, mid-20s, maybe. Was that Kakao? Yeah. I, I mean, listening back to that stuff, like to me, that's me figuring out how you actually like write songs. Right, right. T- like some people will be like, I love those recordings. Like that's great to me. That feels still like high school a little bit. Yeah, sure, sure. But it, it, it seems like you've, you obviously found someone in, in Kyle. Oh, yeah. Who you were, you know, you've developed a, a working relationship. Yeah, we've been playing together for like 11 years now. Right, that's crazy. So how, how did you and Kyle meet up? Uh, there was a show. Uh, let's see if I can remember it exactly. It was a bit uh, at Reggie's, like right when they opened. Oh, yeah. So it would yeah. have been within the first year. There was still Brian Peterson was still booking there. He did MP shows. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a show for AIDS Wolf, uh, who at I got to know them at the time. Uh, this band Water Babies, which was a side project of Mahjong, Laser Crystal, who eventually were on Thrill Jockey, and then I don't think that they've been a part of it for, for a very long time. I was in a band called Lovely Little Girls, which is still a band. Okay. Uh, that's like a rock and opposition, like very avant-garde type group. Uh, and then Kyle was in Slut Barf, and they played, and then... <laughs> I think there was one other band. It was the biggest fucking bill. It was like a six band bill. That Kyle, sounds like a Reggie show from Yeah, you know, yeah Kyle did the poster. Uh-huh. And I, I'll never forget this. One person paid to get in. Uh-huh. It was a blizzard. Uh, Chloe from AIDS Wolf was walking outside before their set slipped and broke her ankle and they had to take her to the hospital and they Brian said that they wouldn't get paid if they didn't play so the rest of the band while she's at the hospital had to be on stage like playing without her and they're just trying to like get through the set and oh my god yeah at the time um, I was dating this uh, person Anya Davidson who plays in this band Lilac now Mm mm-hmm and she and I were like, Kyle's the sickest fucking drummer. We have to see if he wants to be in this band with us. Because she and I had been like talking about doing something because uh, Coughs had broken up at that point, which was her other band. Uh-huh. And 
Yeah, he was like, yeah, that sounds fucking sick, man. And he wrote his phone number on the back of the poster, and I still have it at my house. I love that. Yeah, and that was pretty much how it started. He was really into it because he loved coughs, too. And mm-hmm. then um, Carrie, who is also in coughs, basically like bullied her way into the band. Really? Yeah, she's like, I want to be part of this. So did coughs sound like cacaw? Oh, have you never heard coughs? No. Okay, so like they were... Uh, it's really hard to explain like the recordings don't really capture what was the inherent like insanity of the band yeah uh it was a six-piece band two drummers but no trap kit they played on like two steel drums and a bunch of other like found shit uh, holy shit it's this guy john ziemba and then seth share who plays in hyde now and he okay. doesn't play yeah. drums anymore he and i formed another metal band called zoth uh-huh i listened to zoth yeah zach Loved and seth it. yeah zoth beautiful <laughs> uh yeah and then like it was this big cacophonous sound Anya would scream like she had the most powerful crazy voice I'd ever heard uh Carrie played bass there was, and they had a couple different guitar players but the one that I saw was uh Vanessa Harris and sh- it was just like the super shrill like almost Erebon radar kind of like guitar attack yeah and then uh Jail who I think goes by Jill now um would play saxophone and they're like six and a half feet tall and they would just run into the crowd like playing this crazy shit and it was the most insane stuff I've ever seen. Yeah. Like where you actually felt like you were going to get hurt and uh-huh. I did see people get hurt sometimes. Wow. Some some people get a uh, saxophone to the face every so often. Uh-huh. So that was like my introduction in Chicago of the DIY scene and what I really wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And it all kind of has morphed from there because I've worked with all those people so many times since right, then. Right, right. So what, what were you doing before then? Because there's, there's a gap in time there, I guess, between high school and... Did you go to college? Yeah, I went to Columbia. Oh, okay. I still get to pay for that. Yeah. Yeah, for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. For essentially nothing. I, I met, finally uh, took a, a look at like what my, my loan payments have been going into. I don't know if you know this, but... You don't touch your principal unless you pay like a lot of money. Oh yeah, no, I was doing it's interest cool. only for a long time until they told me I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> uh, I'm still waiting for that call. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I met some people at Columbia, like a big crew of people that I really don't talk to anymore. But we started a million bands. Uh, I kind of learned a bunch of stuff at that time. Nothing from that really stands out. We put out a seven inch. Uh, it was my band. It's a trap. No relation to it's a fucking trap, which I didn't know that was uh-huh. a band uh yeah i think that was like 2005 or so the summer of bad ideas seven right. inch it's terrible so once you get but once you get into like this world it's like oh okay cool like it's it sounds like you kind of find your spot there yeah it started to click a little bit more i mean you, it took a little bit of confidence building and also it's just like if you're gonna be a guy with a guitar no one wants you in their band so you always have to start your own band and it's all about trying to find people that work with you yeah so yeah. I, that's the thing. I've started almost every single band that I've ever been in because no one ever needs a guy who plays guitar. It is like the most inessential thing to like put into your band. Well, you were playing bass in Kakao though, right? Yeah, that uh-huh. was kind of a stylistic choice because uh, Anya wanted to play guitar and I wanted to do something a little bit different. But then Carrie also wanted to play bass. And I was like, well, we can try a two bass thing, see if that works. So my whole thing was like trying to play bass like a guitar. She played on a mostly lower register. Yeah. So I was like, I'm trying to remember what band it was. Maybe it was Magma. They had Earth Bass and Air Bass. And we're yeah, like, yeah, sure. that's the idea. Sure. <laughs> um, I think like what really translates is, as far as like your uh link into oozing wound is that the the fuzz on on your bass is so prominent and i see so much of that tone kind of move into 
oozing wound territory. I'm, I'm, yeah. You're smiling, so I'm hitting on to something, right? Well, I mean, yeah, it's like it's kind of uh, it's almost accidental. And I think I'm trying to remember exactly what I had. I'm pretty sure in Kaka I had a metal muff, not a big muff, because big muff cuts the bass tone. The metal muff had like three more parameters. I, I'm not a gear guy. I yeah, hate yeah, yeah. gear. I hate talking about gear. But the pedal was essential to this whole thing. So I had that, and then I started the metal band with Seth Zoth, and then I was still I was playing a Stratocaster through the metal muff through a solid state amp. And if you don't know what that means, it means it sounded like shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Maddie Russell, uh, he was the guy who engineered pretty much like everything up until this new record. Yeah, uh, he's so, good. Oh, he's, he's great, good. and he's my coworker. Like I've known him for years. We've worked like four jobs together. Like he's been big part of my life for almost like the last 10 years he was the one that was like oh well you should get uh the zach wild pickups uh get this pv60 or get the pv6505 or the ultra plus and get marshall cabs and i bought that and that is essentially the entire tone that i've used for like the last decade right right oh that's so funny so so could call it like permanent was putting that stuff out and mm-hmm. then and then uh rotted teeth which is kyle's label right yeah rotted teeth so was um were you were you all touring were you just kind of keeping it local and you, you got friends that can put yeah these i records mean out? It, it all kind of uh, a lot of the connections came from coughs because mm-hmm. they were on load records so that's how we met like lightning bolt and brian chippendale yeah which Again, another guy who has been very central to almost everything that I've ever done because he is a huge reason that we're on Thrill Jockey and that like certain shows that we've played, like he's been incredibly helpful. But that connection comes through coughs. So they would make DIY connections through towns. Then we'd book like, you know, some shitty ass tour, mm-hmm. play to nobody. And you, you kind of meet friends. You just have to do all these terrible things for a long time before it finally starts clicking. Right. Or at least that's how it worked for us. Other bands seem to just do fine now. It was a different era back then. You were also yeah, putting out sure. MapQuest directions because right. there was no GPS. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like the uh, the the power behind like the, the micro-movements of, of the last five, six years like wasn't there then. It was yeah, no, like- it's... Pretty significant changes for how DIY touring and stuff can happen. Yeah. You miss your highway exit. You have to double back because you're like, I don't really know how to navigate uh-huh. this area. Right, right. So, w- Kaka, it you do a lot in a in a short amount of time. Why did why did it end? Uh, Anya and I broke up, and it kind of helped disintegrate the band. But also, I just like the creative vision. It, it had always been kind of really hard to do. It's where I learned that you have to come into practice with riffs because yeah. otherwise everyone just stares at each other and you're like, well, what should we do? It's uh-huh. like, oh, I, you have to think about it ahead of time. Okay. So uh, it kind of helped create my entire creative process of just having a bunch of fragments that I can bring in. And then you're just like, do any of you like this? Right. I think this works well with this. Uh, so by the third album, we had already kind of, it was fracturing. And then that just kind of put it over the edge. Um. So... I guess Kyle, it it makes so much sense because it's like once you find a drummer that you're keyed into, like you'll hold on to that. So oh, with yeah. him, it's like, well, we should, you know, start doing something a little bit. I mean, it's sort of similar, kind of different. Like, what did it, what did you see Oozing Wound as, you know, in comparison to Kaka? What do you want to do differently? Well, so okay, so at the end of Kaka, I was also doing Zoth. And then I wanted to do another project because Zoth was a much more frustrating experience because Seth and I disagreed about 
pretty much everything. Yeah. It's, all of our songs had like 17 parts. They'd be, you know, the long like, songs. They're yeah. long and they're really complicated and they would go through all these different changes and we would disagree constantly about what the lyrics should be about and like all this other shit. So I would just get really frustrated. I'm like, well, I'm just going to do my own band. Sure. Uh, and it was kind of the same thing with Kaka. I would come up with these things, but it would, you know, the band would morph whatever idea I had because, you know, that's how bands work. So uh, at that time, I wanted something that was more personal to me than Kaka and then less frustrating than it was to be in Zoff. And that kind of just morphed into Oozing Wound, which was originally supposed to be a solo project. It was going to be like an industrial esque type thing, which you can kind of hear in the first few songs that are. Yeah, wrote. sure. There are definitely more on that tip. Uh, and it morphed because I booked a show at the Empty Bottle with Seth's other band, Psychic Steel, which he doesn't do anymore. It was his one-man prog band, which was like uh, his reaction to being in a band called Gone. <laughs> that was a prog. That was my favorite band in Chicago. Maybe in the last ten years, they were so good. Yeah. Uh, They're like really proggy. Oh yeah, like yeah. Zool, Magma-esque type stuff. Uh, he he let us open that show and I kind of like I just my drum machine broke and I needed some stuff to happen very quickly so I just asked Kyle if he would drum for it and he's like oh yeah totally yeah. and then I'd known Kevin forever because I we had kind of met each other when I first went to college because we were both at Columbia but we were in different circles but I'd always known that there was this maniac bass player guy in yeah. his band on Man Ship which he's still doing I think they played last night holy shit yeah uh he but like he was just like yeah i'll play in your band yeah, and yeah. it kind of just went from there and at first it was very much like i thank you guys so much for like doing this for me please and then it quickly morphed into like this is our thing like, right is it just that you, you just realize that you're good is that kind of how it goes eh, i mean what's good no it, i mean no no but i mean right. like this is not our first band by right. any means like but there's, you, it feels like there's a natural aspect to you know your relationship with both of these people and there's just kind of one of those moments where it just clicks yeah uh, but i mean it would have gone the same path as any number of a million bands that we've all done if the thrill jockey thing hadn't happened it probably would have collapsed at one point how does the thrill jockey thing happen because of brian chippendale right so they just what were, were they uh they just sent something by you and like no i mean we had always you keep in contact with people and yeah. like, uh, I mean, he had known Kaka. We'd played shows with lightning bolt a couple times. Um, and I think what happened probably was Kyle saw that lightning bolt was playing at the bottle. He's like, we got to get on this show, dude. It's uh -huh. like, okay. And so I, you know, I emailed a couple people and it managed to work out. I think maybe it was probably Pete Tolson in that era of the bottle booking. And he was probably like, yeah, that's fine. And then played the show. Thought, we did pretty well. I mean, we still had only been a band for maybe a year, so we didn't have that many like shows under our belt. But I know that uh, the people from Thrill Jockey were there, especially Bettina, who runs the label, and that Brian was very much like, "Yeah, you should, uh, you should put out a record with her. She's yeah. gonna put out, or like she'd been putting out the Black Puss stuff, which is his solo project, and then they eventually did the last Lightning Bolt record. But he was very adamant, like, "Yeah, you should just do that." And it happened to be serendipitous because uh, Maddie was uh interning at electrical audio at the time and he had a free day because that's what you get as an intern you get like a day to do whatever you want there mm -hmm. uh and we had done our tape vape and pillage with him at studio chicago and because we were able to bang out four songs in about four hours he's like well you guys would utilize a day really well like if right. i brought you in you would actually like make something so we recorded all of retrash in one day and just happened to have it 
ready like a week after that show where Bettina's like oh yeah I'd be interested in working with you and it's like great because here is a record like you can actually put this out and uh-huh. I'm pretty sure there's the only reason all this worked out is because is it, yeah because they don't have to they don't have to pay anything for the she reimbursed us but right. I mean it was I mean that record was basically free but right. I just mean like the entire process was just very lucky that we had this thing ready to go in a moment where someone was actually interested you know it, it's funny because I, th- I think I look at a lot of aspects and and this one in particular stood out to me as just being you know there is a lot of like kind of nonchalance to the way that you present your band there's a very like decidedly lacking uh self-seriousness aspect to it and it just feels like so much just from even from the outside perspective where i'm thinking like this band seems like they've outperformed what they were supposed to be from the get-go oh yeah i mean the 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 smart part i'm i'm gonna say this about myself the smartest (laughs) thing i ever did was naming the band oozing wound which was a very conscious choice Mm -hmm. of being like you can't take this too seriously because right i mean you have to at some point tell somebody who's like my dad's friend or just like oh you play in a band what's it called it's like uh, oozing wound <laughs> and they look at you and you're like yep i'm a fuck up 33 year old right <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what it is well it's funny that 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 is there too because you know it's the the humorous side of your songs and the silliness of the lyrics has just always been there and we talked about that a little bit mm-hmm. at the top of like you are saying like this is the best way for me to tell to just put lyrics into this band that's called oozing wound and plays music of this type i I can't sing about like you know the either either something deeply personal or you know the kind of the the vernacular of of metal bands well it's just like so many bands just clearly want to be a different band yeah, there is. I mean, right now there's this huge rash of bands that wish they were from the 80s. And I'm not saying that it's bad. But when your entire thing is like, wow, you just sound exactly like this one Depeche Mode song. Like, I guess that's a band concept. Like everyone just wants to be this other thing. We get compared to Slayer all the time, which is infuriating for right. so many reasons. Uh-huh. The, most of which is like, I don't really like Slayer. Yeah, I like a little bit, but I don't think that they're a very interesting band. To me, I don't care if you like them. People mm-hmm. get really defensive about this shit. Right. I don't have that anymore in me. It's like, it's bands. There are so fucking many of them. If uh-huh. your entire personality is based off of what you like, then you're not a person. So, like, I just do what makes sense to me. I try to incorporate what I think is either funny or interesting or I, but yeah, I, I clearly piss off a lot of people by not playing this game. By not writing, like you say, like metal lyrics or doing this other thing. And everyone's like, that's why I get called an ironist or right. some stupid shit. And well, like- well, I feel like like metal has such a such a guard of, of purists that have to be like, no, like one, this isn't thrashy enough. Don't call it thrash. And yeah. two, like, you can't talk about this. Yeah. But I mean, if I cared, maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but they don't affect me. Like they can't, because it's. I know what my. I know who I am. I know what I have to deal with. I know, like, I'm mired in music. I work at the Empty Bottle. I've been playing in bands for 20 years. Like everything I do is revolved around music in some way, and it can be hard to remove myself from it. And it's. I come off as very jaded because I don't care about a lot of shit that a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. But I clearly, I, I'm invested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Did you find though that this has 
does it have negatives for you? Like, I also see you as being a band that's kind of outside of a scene, and sometimes it can be it can be tough to be stuck and be you know labeled as only one thing, but it'll be a lot easier for you to book shows if you're a little bit more aligned with. Oh yeah, um, if if we were career oriented and I cared uh-huh. about that, we could. There's so many things that we could have done differently that we purposefully did not. Yeah, I mean, and there's. I don't even know any of the specifics, but I, like you said, you can tell from the general demeanor of the band that choices have been made. And like, and I mean, part of it is just our three personalities. There's only so much stuff that I'm going to be able to convince Kevin or Kyle of, of like, we should do this. And the same thing for me, like right. we, we're, we have very rigid personas at this point of like what music means to us. Yeah. And I feel like you, you it kind of leaves you with just the, let's just make, good records yeah and you know i think i i kind of view the way you've approached all of this as just looking at the song new york bands and just being like kind of held on to that for most of the time right <laughs> i don't want to be that yeah i mean you just that that was a particularly like funny event that happened at this place called treasure town that used to exist oh yeah i remember treasure treasure town yeah sure. my uh my girlfriend used to like live at that space but uh kaka actually played our last show there accident we didn't know it was our last show, but it's what it turned out being. And I think, what, it was like a week or two later, I think the men played there. Right. Yeah. And I they, do remember and that they, show. And they dropped a bag of cocaine somewhere, and then I, my friend took it, and I just, like, I wrote a whole song about how funny I thought the whole thing was. <laughs> and then, of course, it, like, yeah, everyone's like, oh, New York bands. It's like, ah, it's just a joke. I yeah. If you right. really care, then, uh-huh. like, this means something so different to you than it means to me. Oh, God, that's pretty funny, because I remember being, I think that show happened like right around the time that i moved here okay i really wanted to go Mm -hmm. and then i think everything that that band has done since oh god it's so bad isn't it yeah those first two records are fantastic well they got rid of of that one guy yeah yeah what band is he in now he's been in a bunch of stuff Uh, he might even be one of the guys that's in uh shit conduit i can't remember i the new york scene like i mean it's this it's as storied and complicated as anything in Chicago. It's just, it's a million bands, incestuous as hell. You got all these people that are like, oh, you plays on this record. He's on this one too. It's like, yeah. I don't know who, who who's who. Right. I remember some names. Sometimes they make it out here for like two shows before they break up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I remember Pygmy Shrews, I guess, from like right, 11 right. years ago. I feel like uh, like the the tween shitbag on the on the new record is kind of the uh, falls in the same sort of oh sure circle. yeah angry old man yelling at young people <laughs> yeah that's that's my new persona <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah, yeah. I, like, you you see a lot of garage rock in your in oh your daily God, yeah. life yeah 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 I can't wait till that's over oh. I mean it's, we're pretty much there and now I feel now like the new thing is saxophones right I oh cool great. We need that. Yeah, you know, Chicago's <laughs> all right if you like saxophones. Um, going back to the first couple of records, I feel like, you know, Retrash and, and Earth Suck, it's even though you're not, you know, leaning into that, you don't want to be a thrash band, but it makes it makes sense with what you're what you're putting out there. At the time I was listening to a way more thrash. Yeah. Um, but I feel like hippie speedball and uh, when the walls fall, that back to back, I listen to that and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This is like 
oozing wound moving forward. Like from there, it seems like that's kind of a that. moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of that, it's, it, we were talking about this, I think like a week ago that, you know, people want to say things about what you're doing as a band and they're like, Oh, this is clearly calculated. Like you, you must've been like, Oh, you're done with this. And it's like, nah, every single song that we've ever written is the reaction to the last song that we just wrote. Right. So, uh, if I remember correctly, one was speedball. I do remember writing that one and being, I thought that was actually a really weak track when I wrote it and I didn't think they were going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even recording it, I was like, ah, I think everything else on this record is better than this song. And then at the end I was like, Oh, actually that's the best one. But then yeah. Walls fell. Same idea. I think we had written some of the faster, shorter ones. And we're like, let's do a slower, longer one. Right. And then it kind of just morphs from there. I mean, it all comes down to like, I'll have a riff and it just, it's however they react to it. If they don't like it, it won't become a song. If they do, we'll jam on it for a while. I listen to the jam. I take it back home try and turn it into a song and it's like a back and forth kind of thing until it morphs into whatever it is but that's as conscious as it gets yeah yeah Yeah. for sure yeah i mean i think it's like it's it's so easy to to look back and be like oh okay cool this is when they 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 finished this song and they were like oh this changes everything moving forward yeah i mean you can prescribe whatever you want like on that record uh genuine creeper the third song i actually wrote that before anything on retrash so it if you think that that came like comes afterwards it's like no mentally i definitely like i had that song on my phone for like two years (laughs) and it just happened to work in that moment of just like oh hey we we can bang out like a fucking black metal song right yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we yeah we can do this. We can and then and then you know we can also on the other side of it we can just kind of just go boom 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 for like a good five minutes. Right. Yeah. You just you're testing the limits to see like what you can do. And then I I mean and that's I feel like a lot of bands move away from that eventually. You're just like you find out what parameters that you work in and you don't really want to challenge yourself too much or you don't know how to challenge yourself right. without fundamentally altering what the band is about. Uh. People are saying to me now that the new record sounds like, you know, it's like it's a big step forward. And it's like, I guess it's the it's just it's the next songs. Right. It's the like we finished whatever forever. I think the last thing that we wrote for that was probably Sky Creep because that was we were finishing that in the studio. And then the next song that I wrote uh, was the the first song is surrounded by fucking idiots. There's a riff in the bridge. And that was the first riff that we wrote for the next thing. And I was like that riff alone would not tell you what the rest of the song is going to be. It's just how the thing evolves. Well, I think that, you know, people want to come in with an angle Mm -hmm. and I think it's sometimes just a matter of, and I like to always kind of go back to my own impulses when I'm just like seeing things as they're presented and something as simple as just like, Oh, high anxiety is oozing wound getting serious? Are they growing up? And that's probably where that comes from. It's like the, um, you know, the, oh, well, now that you're... It's a weed pun full, still. Right. <laughs> oh, you're just talking about my entire life of smoking weed? It's just high anxiety? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, the name is, honestly, right. it's worked better than I ever thought it would. Yeah. But that was probably, it's the process of elimination. The list of the titles that we had for the record of what we all thought was funny or could work, like, that high anxiety is the least funny of all of them. Mm-hmm. But it was also the only one that we all didn't hate. Because it was originally going to be, or at least the working title for like a year, or the entire concept of it was, I know it's only rock and roll, but I'm tired of it. 
And then we're like, well, that'll be the only thing we talk about. So, right. Because everyone's going to be like, what's wrong with rock and roll? It's right. like, have you heard it lately? <laughs> and then uh, I think for a minute we wanted to do a V cool, V chill. <laughs> we're like, oh, that's really stupid. And everyone's going to be like, ah, oh, they don't take it seriously enough. And it's, yeah, it's just how it goes. Like, you, I'm, I'm aware of what the public perception is. Right. And you don't want to mess with it too much. But and you don't want to play into what people are expecting too much, but you also can't deny what is like real to you. Right. And I feel like there was, I guess, part of my line of thinking of being like, does is this a is this a band that like eventually becomes difficult to grow within? Because you are called Oozing Wound and people are expecting you to have a Rambo Six song now. But it I can't it, write Rambo Six. That's right. ridiculous. <laughs> it feels like it's it's something that it's just kind of like always there for you to be able to check yourself on it and to like remind yourself if ever it feels like it's not if it's too serious yeah like no if the band's not fun then it's pointless right and i'm that there's a very conscious mentality about that that is the name it is the like the the ethos of the band and how we navigate writing songs and if like we'll work on stuff for a long time if it's not fun we'll just scrap it after a while like we've been working on a song called 420 gram for ever forever i cannot finish this fucking song Mm -hmm. and we'll probably scrap it but i've spent like i i would say consistent hours on of work like days like actual like you know just like Mm -hmm. probably 40 to 50 hours just trying to write this thing but that is how the band works I think Kevin even said he's like, "This isn't fun. This, this is just like, this is just something that exists, and you have to do it." <laughs> well, then we're not doing it anymore because we're oozing wood. It's and, and you're able to keep that. I'm just I'm kind of in awe, I guess, because no matter what I do, I always find a way to not have fun. Like there's nothing. <laughs> it's hard. I'm not like not even kidding. It is not easy to always make it fun. Yeah, and sometimes band practice isn't fun. And sometimes you wonder why you do this in the first place. Like the amount of dedicated time, like three times a week, every week for the past ever of my life has been band practice at yeah. least. It's just like, that's always what I'm doing. And you know, this is, this, this is the sum total of it. It's like where I'm at now. It's high anxiety and all this shit. It's like, uh-huh. this is like the, you know, umpteenth record that I've made of like concentrated effort. But I mean, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't do it. But yeah, I see all kinds of bands not having fun on stage. It's like you're a miserable person and you're making everybody else miserable. Just go the fuck home. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm gonna use what I'm gonna use what you've said in the build for high anxiety to kind of talk about whatever forever, because mm-hmm. um this is the first one that you did without Matt. Yeah. And you've said to the you know, something to the extent of if you liked Earth Suck you're going to like this one. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time thinking whatever forever is not like ha- having its feelings hurt by hearing something like that. It, well, there were just like, there were a lot of factors that went into making that record. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the least of which is that we're, you know, that, that that's kind of like a boundary pushing one. It's just seeing how far you can kind of take the aesthetic. Uh, I mean, it's got the uh Omi Iomi, which is the, like the quiet, 12 string song which is like a kind of an ambient piece Uh which would not work on this record this one felt at least from a songwriting perspective that it was the catchiest bunch since Ursuk or at least like in terms of 
quality like throughout the whole thing like i mean i know that spirit manimal off of retrash is probably not everybody's favorite song but like it has its aesthetic purpose this one feels like you could pretty much pick any of these songs if they if the label wanted to make it a single it'd be like yeah that makes sense did you try to do that or did it kind of just start to come out that way it's interesting because i can uh, you have pop sense but you don't write choruses and i love that i love that these songs flow the way that they do and there is like you know, you talk a lot about not being able to write melodies, but there is something inherently melodious in so much of what you do. Well, I, it's not that I'm, I, I'm not anti-melody. I just, I'm aware that if, when I'm listening to ABBA, that if I took something like that and tried to put it into Oozing Wound, that it would not come out very well. It would come off like, I don't know, Metallica doing Load or something. Right. Just like, it's, uh-huh. it's two incongruent styles that are being mashed together. As somebody who is trying to come to terms with the fact that they don't want to do this thing anymore, but doesn't know how to move forward. I have a very separate mentality. Like, I know what Oozing Wound would do, like how to make it work. And I, you know, I want every riff to be catchy. But that doesn't mean that the song itself has to like get this soaring chorus in it or some shit or like, you know, some hummable piece. I just I don't know. There's an internal logic to it that I try to I think I'm aware of and that I've been managing to stay on the right side of. But who knows? I might falter one day. I I mean, yo, I can feel it because I I love that you brought up the Beach Boys. I love that you brought up ABBA. Fucking unbelievable. Yeah, they're, Pop music. they're incredible songwriters. And if you deny that, you you don't understand the inherent magic of chords. Yeah. And yeah. that, yeah, I can think, I mean, SOS is like one of the heaviest songs ever written. And you know how you do that? You put an acoustic guitar in the chorus. And yep. that doesn't make any logical sense, but it crushes. Yeah. And then you learn those little secrets of how you like can, you know, build up a song in certain ways. And I don't want to incorporate a lot of like verse, chorus, verse, chorus stuff because it's just kind of boring. But I learned from them that, you know, when you bring in the second verse, you add a different instrument into it. You slightly change what's happening and you kind of can you as the song goes on, you you pick up new things. But there are a lot of songs now. It's just like the chorus was copy pasted each time and there's Mm -hmm. no new variation in Mm -hmm. it, which yeah, you don't notice it the first few times, but it, your brain does. Right. You do get so much out of just listening and then second verse, like, oh, there's just a arpeggiated acoustic guitar just going over the chords. Sometimes the it helps. It's so nice. Yeah. Right. So I guess, like, was there were there aspects of, of uh, whatever forever that you felt you, you're trying to expand? You feel like maybe there were some misses? Um. We had a different mentality just because Kyle was quitting the band and we knew that. Yeah, so, what was going on there? Uh, he had a life plan that didn't quite work out. Oh, I'm I mean, sorry that, to hear that. It's his it's life. back now. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> right. I don't want to like talk for him. But uh-huh. he, he had a thing that he thought was going to happen. He was doing that, and we didn't want him to quit, but we knew that he needed to at the time. So we went into making that record being like, well, this might be the last hurrah, or at least it'll be like the last chapter of this thing. So we might as well not scrap every piece of material. We were working on all sorts of different things, like the sides of the records, like the first three songs were like thrashy, which were all kind of written near the end. And then the two middle pieces were really long. And that's, I don't think that they're bad, but there's certain things that like, I know from a songwriting perspective of just like, I was just like, I'm trapped. Like, I don't know how to get out of this song. Yeah, sure. And so it's not like, I think it's bad and I don't think I could improve on it, but I don't necessarily think it's the best stuff that you could put forward 
it's not like I would be like, oh, you want to hear uh, Oozing Wound? Here's Weather Tamer. Here is like the epitome of us as a band. Right. But it, it's not like a bad thing. And then, I well, mean, it's, we... it's got to be tough when you're like, you're like trying to work your way out of something, but it's not like Kyle sitting there like, all right, we better fucking do this thing because my, my new life is starting in three weeks. Yeah, Ky- well, there, it, there was kind of like a that bit, vibe to right? it. And then we were just trying different stuff. Like the third side of the record is kind of like almost a song cycle where all five pieces are slightly contained together. And so we couldn't take any of them out, mm-hmm. even if it didn't like yeah. fit with the record. And it's like, okay, well, now this record's 47 minutes long and we never really wanted to do that, but it is what it is. Uh, we'll probably never do it again. But we also always wanted to have a double album. Yeah. And, you know, like you, It's all just experiments. It's like you want to see if you can do these things. And if that was us stretching a little bit too far, I, I'll accept that. That'll be the record that in like six years people will be like, no, that's like that's the one for the real heads. I feel like that's the, that's the, uh, the goal in there. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it, it could be, but I can't uh-huh. think of my band that way because right. – it's impossible. I yeah, because be- you're you you just operate on the fact that like you're going to be convinced that it'll suck soon anyway. So mm-hmm. like, who cares? Yeah, totally. So what do you, what do you take away? I guess from from that record and making high anxiety, you you switch things up a little bit. You you leave you leave Maddie for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like there is kind of a calculated like, all right, let's get sort of back. To where we were, but also let's throw a lot more shit on top of it. Uh, kind of. It again. It's a lot like, noisier than anything you've done. That could just be the sound of the studio. Yeah. Honestly, I mean the the other records are pretty noisy. It's been hard trying to capture the live sound a lot of the time, especially like Kevin, because a lot of that stuff that he's doing is very room dependent. Uh, and we recorded at Minball two times, which is now um, Jam Deck. Yeah. And it's kind of a small. It does not. Room, it yeah. doesn't work for us. At least I don't think. I don't really want to record there again. Like the room does not give us the sounds that we specifically need to make the records the way that we want to. So there is that element to it. I don't know if you've ever been to Electrical Audio, but uh, Studio B, like it's huge. Like yeah. the ceilings go up really fucking high. And when Kevin is making some kind of like crazy bass tone, it'll go up to the ceiling, comes back down, Perfect. reverberates everywhere. Yeah. So you get a lot of that live sound that I feel like we've been missing before. And that's no knock against Maddie at all. It's just, it's uh, partially us partially the equipment that we're using, learning things from past recordings, knowing what worked, what didn't work. Um, but yeah, the, the consciousness of all of that, it's, it, I want to say that we're smarter <laughs> and that like, this is all thought right. out that way. Uh-huh. You hope, you hope that you can do these things. I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's like, it's smarter to realize that Minball isn't the place for you. You yeah. don't have to be, I feel like you don't have to make, you know, the full on, we shouldn't be doing it here. We should be doing it here. It's smart to know that you shouldn't be doing it here. Right. Which you can only really know from doing it. And I'd done that for a while, but it's the cheapest studio that we can do. And I mean, again, the sound of the record is a budget fight always. Right. Like we wanted more than four days in the studio. Four days was the negotiation of like what we can afford to do at Electrical Audio based off of what they expect that record to actually sell. And you're like, yeah, we could... And then you could theoretically be like, well, if it sounded better, it might sell more. And then you're like, you're in this dance. Mm-hmm. So if this one does better, maybe we'll get five days next time. Yeah, sure. Yep. So what you talk about like not not really listening to thrash, but it feels like, and this is probably me 
making the connection because it's impossible, I think, for anything to come out of electrical audio with not thinking about Steve. Yeah. But like Big Black and, and that kind of noise rocky thing, it feels like it inserts itself a little bit in here. Is that is that off? Oh no, no, that's like right on. Yeah. I mean that that's my my main love, at least like through, you know, aggressive music. That's the the first channel that it goes through. Yeah. Uh and it's not that I hate thrash. I just I kind of mine that territory as much as I could. I found everything that I could possibly want to find out of it. I exploited the shit out of it. I listened to all those records as much as I could. And then, like I said, I don't really like the new stuff that people like the retro rehashing of it because there's mm-hmm. no new ideas. It's like, oh, you like that? Here's our same flavor of this. Right. Enjoy. Right. It's artificial. It's a bad idea to be listening to the thing that you're trying to be. Exactly. Yeah. I don't need to do that because I've internalized a lot of those records and it's not to sound like pompous or pretentious or anything. I just like, I know what I liked out of them. So I take the elements that I like and I try and put them into this other context, which like you said, has a lot of more like noise rock and stuff in it. But of records from that kind of like thrashier era that I still even listen to, like, I'll put on Voivod's Killing Technology every so often. It's a great record. Yeah, and it's yeah. fucked up sounding, uh-huh. and it doesn't sound like a thrash record. Yeah. It sounds like a noise band that somehow figured out that you can play really fast. Yeah, and, like, make Tim really scared. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the piggy chord, diminished fifths. I use those oh. all the time. I like that. I like that mining, and I like the fact that you have been able to to take something and to put, like, so much of yourself into it as a way to just, like creatively stimulate and keep yourself grounded and as things have progressed you're still there you're still focused (laughs) yeah well it's like because i've had a huge history of this stuff you know when i wanted to be nirvana in high school i sounded like bush because it's like if you're aiming directly at this fucking thing you're never gonna hit it so you have to aim past it or behind it or around it if you want to even be considered in the same league as something you have to think of it differently and I've just kept that mentality. Or I, I don't think I can ever change it. For yeah. better or for worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're stuck. Yeah. You're you're just you're just stuck. Oh yeah, I'm totally fucking stuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's great talking to you. Thanks for coming over. Oh yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Hey, great stuff. Zach doing great work to maintain perspective in an effort to keep himself progressing and moving forward, but also keeping a level head with all of it. It's perspective like that that is so refreshing and so easy to glean from and apply to any facet of what you're doing. High anxiety, another addition to a stellar catalog. It was so great getting Zach over here and getting inside his head for an hour check out oozing wound online oozingwound.bandcamp.com subscribe to this podcast on apple podcast stitcher rate it write a review tell a friend about the show we're on bandcamp better yet podcast.bandcamp.com patreon is a way for you to help support the show pledge a monthly amount for bonus audio coffee swag Visit our website, betteryatpod.com. Email is betteryatpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you so much 
Thank you, Chloe and Lily. Thanks to Zach and Nalora. You know, I did enjoy the opportunity to talk about Albini this week. That was fun. Made me happy. And what a good excuse to leave with the track he produced. I mean, there's so many to choose from. Wink, wink. Come back next week. Thanks, brothers.